Tappers, what's up? We're back. It is the Thursday edition of the Daily Tap. We are talking Green Bay Packers schedule, a storyline from each game as it happens, and then we are going to chat about Patrick Baldwin staying in Milwaukee, what that means for the city, what that means for UWM, and where do they go from here. Lastly, we'll talk about the Milwaukee Bucks net rating being a little under uh, the top 15 since the All-Star break. Does that matter? Is that a bad sign for the playoffs or is that just how the schedule worked out? So good show today. Tapping the keg tomorrow. Hope you guys didn't miss me too much yesterday. Um, We'll do that pretty often, I think. We're going to kind of go to four days versus all five. Um, More to come on that, but that's kind of where we're leaning moving forward. All right, let's get into today's show. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers schedule. All of you saw the Packers schedule. The Packers schedule uh, was out yesterday. It started in the morning with the announcement that the Packers will play the New Orleans Saints in week one uh, at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And then it went for the entire schedule, was released a little bit before 7 p.m., and the full schedule is now out. There will be a lot of takes. Um, you may have saw my TikTok or my attempt at a TikTok where I said, you know, there are three types of Packer fans. There are the ones that are overly optimistic that think we're going 16-0. I uh, forgot that there's a 17th game. Good job, Charlie. Way to go. Your first rule of trying to go viral is fuck something up right in the middle of it. That's the, Everybody knows that, right? So 17-0, yes. There are those who think that the road for Hollywood starts in New Orleans and it'll end in Los Angeles at the Super Bowl and think that this is going to be a 15 and 2 year have no no qualms about Green Bay's season. There are other people who will be doom and gloom, who will see a lot of difficult opponents on the schedule and think, "Wow, there is no way that Green Bay is going to make the playoffs again. I guarantee you there will be a lot in the media who are like this. Uh, Mike Greenberg already thinks the Packers aren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, Mike Greenberg has sold all the Aaron Rodgers to another team stock, mostly because Greeny, you know, hosts of Get Up. He needs storylines. He knows that that he can't stop fucking that Aaron Rodgers chicken. Like Greeny just can't. And I and Greeny, you know, missionary style for sure. No way is he going doggy. He's missionary all the way, but Greeny needs that content throughout the summer. So of course he already thinks the Packers aren't going to make the playoffs. There will be more, right? It's just part of it. Everybody thought the Packers were going to regress last season. Even your boy on this podcast said, hey, look, I, I think there is a chance maybe you know, there's a na- I called it natural regression, right? Because I thought it was unrealistic to expect Green Bay to win 13 games again last season. Guess what they did? They won 13 games. I think with Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay could st- win anywhere from 11 to 14 games. I think Green Bay is that good of a team. I think they had a Super Bowl roster last year. And guess what? They brought back almost their entire fucking team adding on Blake Bortles yesterday, which just makes them a little bit better. Um, No, but in all seriousness, Bortles, not a bad signing. I I, I like Blake Bortles because I love part of my take. I love the good place, which which I recommend if you haven't watched it. Um, 
But I also think with his experience with Nathaniel Hackett's offense, if for some reason that things go sideways with Aaron Rodgers, I think it's not a bad bad pickup for Green Bay in all seriousness. We're not here to talk about Blake Bortles. We're obviously here to talk about the schedule. So yes, I'm not lying to you. We're talking schedule. We're talking a headline from each game. Um, we kick off the year, as mentioned, with the New Orleans Saints and the Green Bay Packers. I think the headline there will be Aaron Rodgers versus either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. Um, That will be the story coming into that game. Um, The Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill-led Saints will be much different than Drew Brees. First game without Drew Brees. First game likely for the Dome with a full house of fans. How does that change sort of the environment? Remember last year, Green Bay played New Orleans in that Dome with I think like 700 fans. I think that was it. I mean, that's one of the best home environments in football. So it's going to be rocking in New Orleans with a full fan base. It's going to be loud. It's going to be hyphy. It's going to be a great game. Um, And the, I guess the Aaron Rodgers storyline will be touched on relentlessly by Fox. I guarantee you that Buck and Aikman will talk about Aaron Rodgers offseason. Who knows where it's going to go from here. And oh yeah, we're just assuming Aaron Rodgers is going to be here, okay? We're not going to go down the other pathway because I believe Aaron Rodgers will be starting, will be taking the first snap of the 2021 NFL season in New Orleans for the Green Bay Packers. I hope he goes deep to Devontae Adams right out the gate and just does a suck it sign to everybody. Maybe to Matt LaFleur, maybe to Brian Gutekus, whatever. But I hope that that's what basically happens to start the season. And why not? I wasn't going to do win-loss, but I, I will. I think Packers at this point, let's just say I think they'll be favored. Let's go there. I think they will be favored in this game if Rodgers is there. Right now, they're not. The line opened. New Orleans minus three. I think the Packers will be favored when it's all said and done. Week number two, they're facing the Detroit Lions on ESPN. So another network. ESPN, who's already gone all in with the Rodgers story, will talk about that leading up to the game. It will be a huge storyline for them, you'll also have the new look Lions with Dan Campbell. Uh, the Lions not expected to be very good. Jared Goff returning to Lambeau after very after struggling mightily in January. Lions Packer games have been known to be weird. Last year they weren't. Packers wiped out the Lions in week number two. Um, they were dominant on the ground. Aaron Jones had a massive day. So they will look to replicate that. But yes, Monday night will go all in on the Rodgers thing. Week three, it's against San Francisco. Biggest rival right now for the Packers. I've said that um, in the. I've said that a few times uh, the, with the Niners basically doing the cyber warfare with Aaron Rodgers. This game will mean more to Matt Lafleur and to Aaron Rodgers and to the Green Bay Packers. This game will be very important. It is the Niners' home opener. It's likely the first time San Francisco will have fans, and I think they're going to have a full house. They're actually like 70% um, of people have either got vaccinated. Like they're basically at herd immunity in San Francisco right now. So I think it would be foolish to not assume that fans will be fully in the stands there. And it's going to be a hell of a game, man. It's going to be a knock them out, drag out battle with the 49ers. This will not be like the Thursday night game last year. 49ers will be fully healthy. They'll be ready to sort of make their statement that they're back that they are the Super Bowl team of two years ago. Um, Green Bay will be looking to kick their ass for all the damage they did this offseason. Oh, by the way, this is the third network 
that will be covering the Packers in three weeks. So again, you can go back to the Rodgers storyline. I don't think this is a coincidence, right? Like I think it was each network, and I think week four is on CBS, right? Yeah. So I think there was a, and I don't know if this was actually discussed or whatever, but it's just, it's very convenient, right? That each network gets Aaron Rodgers in the first week of the season, or if Jordan Love is the quarterback, they get Jordan Love. So how convenient, how nice of the NFL to make sure that all of the networks were able to get um, the Packers in the first month of the season. Week number four is against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Packers Steelers classic rivalry. Um, they last played. Aaron Rodgers did not play in that game. The Steelers nearly lost to Brett Hundley on a Sunday night. It was a wild game. Um, Big Ben probably last season swan, swan song. Last time Rodgers and Roethlisberger will be going up against each other. Uh, Pittsburgh trying to sort of recapture the early season magic of last year. Um, we'll see if they're able to do that. Um, I feel like the Packer pass rush against a weak Steelers defense could, or Steelers offensive line could be the difference in that one. Week number five is at Cincinnati. Who knows if Joe Burrow will be back, but obviously the, the young Bengals against the veteran Packers and Joe Burrow leading the charge. That game scares the living shit out of me. Um, Packers have not played well there. Um, I vaguely I remember a bad Brett Favre game. There's a bad Rodgers game there. Um, on top of the fact that Joe Burrow kind of wanting to make that statement, I think he'll be back. Um, what could maybe save the Packers here is if Burrow does, needs more time and he's not ready to start at the beginning of the season and they go with like Brandon Allen or somebody else. And maybe that that bails the Packers out. But with playing the 49ers and Steelers back to back, I think this also like breeds a letdown. Oh yeah, and by the way, the Bears are next week. So it is like a worst case look letdown look ahead sandwich, right? Because you have the Bears on deck, and then and then that's where it is. Week number six, as mentioned, they're in Chicago. So back to back road games, Packers. Three road games out of four. They actually start the season with four road games in their first six. Um, so similar to last year, right, where they had a lot of road games early. They finished off the year at Lambeau, which I think we all like. That is the Ron Wolf model. We all want to see the Packers at home more often in December if possible. Um, so they're, in, they're playing Chicago. Um, the Bears... Who knows what Chicago looks like in week six. That could be right around the Justin Fields smoke. I could see a situation where Andy Dalton is still the quarterback. They're playing the Packers. Green Bay kicks the shit out of them. And then the Justin Fields hype gets ramped up. When do the Bears have a bye? I haven't looked at the Bears schedule. I'll, I'll be fully honest with you. So let's see. When do the Bears have their bye? Good radio. They do not have their bye the following week. They play a Buccaneers the following week and Tom Brady, then the 49ers, then the Steelers. Okay, so they don't have their bye until they're playing the Ravens on November 21st. So they have their bye in middle of November. So 
I don't know when we're going to get the Justin Fields. We'll talk about Justin Fields here in a little bit because he'll be probably the storyline of that one. But I think it'll be a waiting on Justin Fields sort of thing. And will Justin Fields be there? Can the Bears finally overcome the Packers? You know, I think there'll be a lot of people that think the Bears could win this division. Um, then the Washington football team comes to town the following week. Packers are back home. Um, when they're facing the football team, it'll be that amazing defense. I think Washington right now is, to me, the top defense in the NFL. I think right they are a team that I really think is going to be a true contender. And and I, I, I really like Washington this season. Um, so I, I think that's a really tough game for Green Bay. I think it's going to be a dr- knock-em-out, drag-out battle. Um, maybe the last team, first team to 20 wins. Um, and if the Packers offense looks great against that defense, I think we have a lot of a lot of fun things to talk about then, if that's the case. Short week then, they go to Arizona. Uh, Kyle, Kyler Murray against Aaron Rodgers. You also have a ton of Packer fans. The J.J. Watt storyline was spurning the Packers for Arizona. I don't think he really spurned them. I think the media will make it out to seem like that. I think he just took a bunch of money and went to his retirement home. Again, I don't blame J.J. Watt. Get your cash, big boy. But yes, that will be a good Thursday night battle between the Packers and the Cardinals. Um, and should be a lot of fun, a lot of offense, um, but major coaching advantage for the Packers with uh, Matt LaFleur over Cliff Kingsbury. Then you have Packers Chiefs. I'm shocked Packers and Chiefs is not a primetime game going up against the World Series. It is a Fox game. I think it would be a lead-in to Game 7 of the World Series, if I'm looking at the calendar correctly, the 7th of November. Huge game massive stakes, Mahomes, Rodgers, everybody will be fired up for that one. One of the premier games on the schedule. There's not a lot that needs to be said about that one. Let's just hope everybody's healthy. Let's hope it is what we expect it to be and it lives up to the hype. If And also too, if I were a fan of the Packers or the Chiefs, that to me is a must go if you have the opportunity to. Week number 10, you have the Packers coming home for the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks have seen Lambeau as a house of horrors. Russell Wilson has really struggled in Green Bay. Can he cure those demons? What will the Seahawks look like next year? I think, will there be a lot of drama around that team with all the Russell Wilson smoke? This year, both probably the two most disgruntled quarterbacks of the offseason besides Deshaun Watson, who everybody has kind of forgot about, right? Talk about a guy who's just went into hiding, right? Like we have not heard about Deshaun Watson. That story has not been covered relentlessly. We're just kind of, I can't believe how the media has just forgot all about that story. It's very convenient, right? But yes, you have Packers, Seahawks, always a good game. Should be a lot of fun in that one. Then you have the first matchup between the Packers and Vikings on week 11. The Vikings, every year, I think people think the Vikings are going to be good. Are they able to fix that defense? Aaron Rodgers back at U.S. Bank Stadium with a full house. That's a definite difference to an, a completely empty stadium. Rodgers lit up the Vikings twice last seat or lit them up once. He lit them up in U.S. Bank Stadium the second game they lost at Lambeau. But that was a crazy weird win game. I don't know if I even count that against the fact The refs were terrible. Alex Kemp was a fucking disaster in that game. But yes, Packer Vikings in Minnesota. It could be a divisional shifter, if you will. Um, but yeah, it'll be a big game. Also be 
a really tough stretch for Green Bay because they'll be Arizona, Seattle, Kansas City is not easy um, on the Packers. And then having to go play in Minnesota is a lot to ask for for Green Bay. And then they come home to play the Los Angeles Rams, the Rams with Matt Stafford. We'll see, right? There's going to be a lot of hype about that team early on. And the Rams have a great defense and they feel like they've upgraded at quarterback. We'll see if that's the case. I I like Matt Stafford, but I've always been on the hill that Matt Stafford is one of the greatest garbage time quarterbacks out there. I think Matt Stafford is basically a Southern version of Carson Palmer. So we'll see if that's true or if maybe Matt Stafford reinvents himself. There's a real MVP buzz about him. Stafford always doesn't really like Aaron Rodgers. I think they talk about being cool, but if you've ever seen his crazy wife's Instagrams, she hates Aaron Rodgers. Just can't stand him. So I I push back on that they are friends. By week, um, week 13, I was talking to a buddy and he's like, yeah, I think I kind of like the end of the year by because it rusts you up before the playoffs. Very true. I will say the pessimistic side of that is Packers better stay healthy because that's a very late buy for Green Bay. And that could really could really fuck some things up. So Packers better better stay healthy in that scenario. And if they don't, then yeah, that's that's a real issue. Then they get a they get a full bye ready to go against the Chicago Bears. Sunday night football in Lambeau. I think NBC liked all the snow. Packers Bears in December. Um, gotta love it, that scenario, and it's probably going to be Justin Fields at that point. At that point, it's Justin Fields. Will the Bears be as successful as they expect to be? I don't know, um, but that will definitely be a Justin Fields moment. Can he have that one on the big stage? I doubt that gets flexed if Packers and Bears are as good as we think. Well, Packers are as good, and then Justin Fields is there. Packers-Bears also just brings asses into seats. After that Bears game, they go to Baltimore. That's really tough. That is a tough time to play Baltimore. Um, Baltimore is going to be very good. They're very physical. Um, Lamar Jackson's running ability against the Packer defense. The Packer defense I saw last year, let's just put it that way, gives me nightmares. Um, But... At that point, Green Bay should have their defense ready to go. Joe Barry should have should have it all figured out by then. Hopefully, they'll be okay. Um, but yeah, that could be a hang on for dear life game. I would say if if any game I've looked at where I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a schedule loss. I look at that one and I I see a loss in that in that mix. But who knows? Uh, Packers have been great in December in the past few years. Then they come home and play the Cleveland Browns on a short week. It is Saturday. It is Christmas. It will be a primetime. It'll be a solo game. Hopefully, uh, the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks won't be playing at the same time. I think if we can stack that, that would be great. If we could go Packers at 3.30, Bucks at 6, like that would be awesome. Um, we could go to the bar. We'll have a great time. That just sounds like what we're doing on Christmas. What we'll be doing on Christmas is we'll be getting very drunk and watching the Bucks and the Packers. I, I do not see anything wrong with that. See that as a perfect solution. Browns-Packers might be a Super Bowl preview in Week 16. Yes, I think there's going to be a lot of smoke around the Browns. Um, that is quite the investment in both teams, by the way. Because that game I can't really be shifted, right? It can't be flexed. Um, that is them basically saying both these teams are going to be good. And I, 
I think it's a little risky with the Packers, um, just given the Jordan Love stuff. It's really risky with the fucking Browns. <laughs> like, anytime you have expectations for the Browns, it never seems to live up. I I don't know about you, but I love that under that team under this year uh, when, when August rolls around. Week 17, usually the end of the season, not the end of the season this time. They go, they are home again to play the Minnesota Vikings again on NBC. January 2nd in at 7.20, a Vikings team who doesn't usually play in the cold. Kirk Cousins on primetime. That game, you just bet the mortgage on the Packers. Like, I, like that, that game is such an easy one. I love that game for the Packers. I love that spot. I, I have to think most Viking fans probably just threw, just flipped their desk and was like, well, for fuck's sake, right? And then lastly, Green Bay ends the year on the 9th of January in Detroit, where it seems like Green Bay always ends their season. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But yes, every year, death, taxes, and playing your final game in Detroit. I should have used it as a free space when I made my schedule two days ago. I didn't. Um, It's basically like uh, the free space in bingo. So that's the schedule for the Green Bay Packers. Um, That... That's quite that, that to me is everything you need to know. Um, I am excited for next year. I'm excited for what Aaron Rodgers could do with this team and think they have a real shot to get back to the Super Bowl uh, for the first time since 2010. Moving on to other sports, uh, we have Patrick Baldwin now at UWM. He committed to the university yesterday afternoon or yesterday morning, excuse me. Uh, and he will be playing for his father, also Patrick Baldwin. And he spurned Duke and Georgetown. And obviously that is a big deal um, to a lot in the recruiting world. It's not uncommon, though, for a kid to play for his father, even at a top recruit level uh, like Baldwin. I can remember Roy Ray McCallum played for his father at, at Detroit. McCallum was a McDonald's All-American, um, but he went to go play for his dad at Detroit. I believe he ended up transferring to Florida because I think his dad got fired. And McCallum just never was the player that he thought he was going to be um, out of high school. But I don't think the same will happen for Baldwin. Baldwin is a top five recruit. Baldwin's a guy that people think will be a top 10 NBA draft pick. There is a lot of hype around Patrick Baldwin. And him playing for his dad is special for that family, but it's also special for the city of Milwaukee. You know, UWM has been a rudderless program for the last 10 years, 10 plus years. Yeah, they've went to the tournament, but it's been nothing worth being excited for. Um, it has There's not been excitement at UWM since Bruce Pearl, and now they have it with Patrick Baldwin. And that that is really exciting. Um, that is really exciting for those people who are A, diehards of UWM, or people who just you know casually watch the Panthers, who are are fans of UWM, kind of on a di- out of a distance. But this gives UWM a real shot to be something special and to really sort of live up to sort of their I wouldn't say potential, but just sort of where where they could be, like where where things could be for UWM, you know, moving forward. And they could finally sort of get out of what kind of the badness of the last few years. You know, last year they made it to the final, but they lost to Cleveland State. It was a very close game, but they were 10 and 12. They were 12 and 19 the year prior, 9 and 22. They have not been 500 
above 500 since 2016. So the first year of President Donald Trump, that was the last time they were they were there. They didn't make the tournament um, that year as well. It has been a really rough patch for UWM. And now they have an opportunity to sort of rise above that. And I wrote today on SnowTapWI.com, you can read that there, that they need to make some significant moves with their schedule. I, I think if you're going to look at the schedule next year, you should be scheduling some of the top teams in the country. Does Gonzaga want to play us? Does UCLA want to play us? Does Duke want to play us? Does, um, trying to think of other, you know, North Carolina, um, the Texas, this, who who wants to play UWM? And if I'm Pat Baldwin, I'm calling everybody. And I also make the case for why they should play Marquette. UWM has a moment here. This is the first time UWM has had a moment. And could they own Milwaukee basketball over Marquette? It would be very hard to do, right? It would be very difficult. Marquette has quite the fan base. There's a lot of hype uh, for Shaka Smart. There's a lot of energy around the Marquette program, it would take a massive year from UWM to do that. But they could. I'm not discounting it, right? I'm not going to just completely throw out the notion that UWM could own the city of Milwaukee. But what they would need to do is they would need to be very successful. They would need to pull off an upset win or two, whether that would be beating Wisconsin, whether that would be beating Marquette if they play, um, which I also make the case for... I. I think I said that already, so I won't repeat myself again. Sorry. I, I just want you to read what I what I also also and listen. So I want you to do both. Um, that's where I'm asking you to do. Sometimes it's hard when you're doing these topics that are you've already taught wrote about it, so you don't want to repeat yourself because you know that people do both, which I'm very grateful for. But so that's why I apologize for that. They have a chance to own the city. And they haven't had that opportunity in a long, long time. Since Bruce Pearl. And this is their moment. And if they fuck it up, then yeah, that says a lot about, kind of says a lot about UWM. And it kind of says, well, will we ever, they're never going to get this opportunity again. I mean, maybe, maybe it will come through and maybe there'll be another guy like this. And maybe this is their coaching model going forward. It's like, all right, we're going to hire a guy who has a son that could be a premier athlete. And we'll make sure to lock that down. Who knows? Maybe that's their their strategy going forward. Because let me tell you, if UWM has a great season, I have to think Pat Baldwin's going to look elsewhere. Um, and if Northwestern, you know, leaves Chris Collins, now Northwestern's a mess in their athletics department. I don't know if you're following that story. But if Chris Collins ends up leaving Northwestern, Pat Baldwin, former assistant, they would probably just make that move right away. Even though... I think there would be people being like, are we sure, you know, Pat Baldwin's good or is it just his kid? But regardless, they all have a shot to just do something special. And I thought Pat Baldwin Jr.'s quote about, hey, look, we look what Loyola did. Look what Oral Roberts did. Like mid-majors can do it. Now, I think they need a little more talent. But now that you have a guy like Pat Baldwin Jr. on your team, you should try to reach out to more transfers. You should try to say to some of these guys, like, hey, look, I know we're playing in the Horizon League. I know some of the reasons you're transferring is because you want to go to a bigger program. But let me tell you, we feel like Milwaukee will be a mid-major attention grabber. 
We're not going to be a power five con. We're not going to be a power six team, but we will have a lot of hype around us. A lot of people will know who we are. Our games will be on ESPN. We, We will get that attention. So consider us when you're considering your next, you know, your transfer. I think they can do that. And if they can add one or two more guys, then all of a sudden, Milwaukee's going to be, could be pretty special. So they can't fuck this up. And Milwaukee's athletic department, Amanda Braun, if you're not familiar, uh, who I think she's still there, but she, I mean, the, the start she had was one of the worst. I mean, it's like she was pitching just gopher ball after gopher ball and was a real fucking mess for a few years uh, starting out. They have a chance to kind of write that shit and kind of change the narrative about what UWM Athletics is. So that's a great opportunity. Just they can't screw it up. And look, it happens. And and people do screw up great opportunities. Or, you know, what if Baldwin gets hurt? And it's, hey, I don't don't wish that. Let me point that out. But as of now, as of today, May 13th, they have a real shot to be something special for the first time in a very long time. Lastly, I want to wrap up the show talking about the Bucks net rating. Um, so Kirk Goldsberry had an interesting graphic. If you don't follow him on Twitter, um, definitely a worthy follow. Basically, the Bucks are below the kind of 500 line, if you will, when it comes to net rating. If you're unfamiliar with net rating, I use it a lot. Um, it's actually very helpful for gambling, um, if, if I don't say so myself. Um, but you have the basically it takes your offensive rating and your defensive rating, brings the two together, and then you get a net rating. And 0.0 is kind of average. And then anything above that or below that is where, where you go. So Goldsberry looked at the since the all-star break, you know, who's kind of peaking at the right time, quote unquote, and who is not. And the teams that are near the top are the Dallas Mavericks, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Philadelphia 76ers, Portland Trailblazers, Washington Wizards. I think none of those are a surprise if you've been paying attention to basketball. I still think the Wizards are, or I'm sorry, not the Wizards. No, I think the Wizards are really good recently. But I think Dallas is a little overrated. Um, but Minnesota, I think there's a lot to be excited about with the Timberwolves next season. If I if I don't say so myself, I think that there's actual hype. There should be actual hype around the Timberwolves. You just got to figure out a way to get rid of D'Angelo Russell. But that's, that's up to them. And that's not what we're here to talk about. The Milwaukee Bucks fall into a little bit under the the 0.0 line. They're joining teams like the Detroit Pistons, the Denver Nuggets, the Chicago Bulls, interesting enough, the Phoenix Suns, and also the Bucks. So that's where the Bucks are. So should we make a big deal out of this? Does this matter? Is this a large warning sign for what's upcoming for the Bucks as the playoffs near closer? I would say no. And here's why. Number one, the Bucks didn't have Giannis Antetokounmpo for basically two weeks, and they lost some games because of it. They lost to Golden State. They lost to Dallas. They lost to Charlotte. You know, he didn't play in any of those games. He also didn't play in the Sacramento game. Now, now luckily, they they were able to win that game, and then we were able to beat Minnesota. Minnesota without him as well as Orlando. So they were able to do okay without Giannis. 
but they and they also faced some really tough opponents. I mean, they had to play Phoenix. They faced Philly a couple times. Now they did win those games, but still they had a they had a tough schedule. They had to go out west. That wasn't easy. The Bucks also took some games off, which I think is a controversial thing amongst Bucks fans. Is they played what they was there two games or three games where the Bucks just decided not to play anybody. And they've they've had some really bad defensive efforts this year, and I or since the All Star break, and I think that is partly to be concerned about. But the question is, is where where do we really how do we really feel about Milwaukee? I think there are some that think the Bucks are the best team in the East heading into the playoffs. Now the Nets got James Harden back yesterday, and it worked out very well for them. Uh, the the Nets were dominant in that game. They they beat they kind of beat the brakes off the Spurs really from the start. And that was a really good win for the Nets in Harden's return. And they kind of get James Harden acclimated before this season they are this playoffs gets underway. So maybe when it's all said and done, people are gonna say, all right, it's Nets, Bucks, Sixers, who knows? And that'll be a debate for a lot of people. And the Bucks missing out on the two seed now that Harden's back. Now the fact that Milwaukee's able to expand to 50% of fans hurts even more. Um, they are going to need a miracle here to kind of not get out of the three seed. And they're going to need the Nets to lose one game. And it's hard for me to find a loss on the remaining Nets schedule unless the Nets decide to punt, which I don't think they will, especially because they're trying to get James Harden back acclimated Durant might not play but they've been all right without Durant and Harden and Kyrie I think Kyrie hurt his face I don't know if he played yesterday but I think they if they have Harden and Kyrie I think that'll be fine and they'll be able to continue to win games so uh, the net rating stuff I, I think it's more I worry about the defense the Bucks offense can play with anybody the Bucks offense has been better than it was last season better than the year prior they're shooting better from the outside their offense can play with just about anyone in, in the NBA. The question is, is will this defense make that next step? I don't know if they're there yet. And that scares me a little bit because I, I just have not seen enough to fully be like, all right, yeah, they're completely fixed on defense. Because that Spurs game, man, is just a reminder that things can go south for the Bucks so quick. And the one issue I have with Bud, and I, I'm pre- I would say that I've went from being a Bud hater to start the year to being like it is out of my control. I can dislike Bud, but at the end of the day, it comes down to Giannis Antetokounmpo. And, and I have known that, and I'm like, if Giannis doesn't like Bud, I don't like Bud. But until then... I have to just remain sort of in that middle spot. My one issue with Bud, though, is he does not know how to plug a leaking ship. San Antonio started out the game six for eight in in that game. They were red hot from the fucking jump. And he didn't figure out a way to plug that hole and to say, all right, let's stop this bleeding immediately. Now, there are nights in basketball and really in baseball, f- football kind of, but basketball and baseball where 
just everything is working for you or everything is not working for you. You could have one of your best pitchers on the mound. You could be facing a team like the Houston Rockets or a team that's just a nobody and they just go off. The offense is just absolutely killing it and it's just one of those out-of-body experiences. And I know Bucks fans are going to say to me, Charlie, this happens to us too often. Yes, that's true. But the Spurs were had not been playing that well. And they just, out of the blue, had just a great night at home. And they had 50% fans, as uh, Mitch noted to me uh, the other day. So the fact is, is like they had just a rabid fans going nuts. And they were off that energy, just buying into all of it. So I'm not going to freak out too much about it. I do think it's a little bit of a warning sign. And Mitch and I will talk about you know who, who scares us in the Eastern Conference. We did this last year with Miami. And we talked about how scary Miami was. I don't think Miami is as scary as they were last year. I get they're red hot right now. I know they play the Bucs on Saturday in a game that will matter to them. I think the Bucs should not play a soul. Um, in my opinion, but we'll we'll talk a lot. We'll debate about that. We'll talk about the remainder of the season. Um, I know the Bucks are playing tonight, so usually we don't like to do this, but it's the only time Mitch and I could get on the horn, so that's why we're doing it tonight. So I apologize for that. We will wrap up the week with tapping the keg, and then on Monday we'll be back with a daily tap looking at the weekend, knowing who the Bucks will play. In, could we might know who the Bucks will play in the playoffs, or. We will be awaiting the playing game and we'll kind of talk about that and talk through, you know, potential Bucks opponents. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. The weather's going to get warm here in Milwaukee. I will be hitting the golf course up in Green Lake, uh, one of the better courses in Wisconsin. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll see if the golf lessons uh, really do work or not. Maybe we'll talk about that. A little Chuck's Corner on Monday's show. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Thursday. Uh, We'll talk tomorrow. All right. See you. Bye.